Patrick Prince here, editor for Goldmine Magazine. You might remember Kenny Jones as the drummer of The Who, the drummer who took over for Keith Moon. and But on a broader scope, you'll remember Kenny Jones as the drummer for the English rock band Small Faces 2, a band made up of Kenny, Steve Marriott, Ronnie Lane, and Ian McClagan. Kenny will be our guest on the Goldwine Magazine podcast for this episode, and he'll be talking about the deluxe 50th anniversary editions of the Small Faces album, Ogden's Nut Gone Flake on Immediate Records. Ogden's Nut Gone Flake is a bit of a cult status album now, and back in 1968, it was a bit of a parody of Ogden's Nut Brown Flake, a British Liverpool, to be exact, brand of tobacco. Um, Small Faces meant the title as a sort of inside joke about substituting marijuana for tobacco, but Kenny can get into that more during the podcast interview. So we'll be right back with Kenny Jones on the phone right after this message from CygnusRadio.com. Hey, I'm Ronald Webb, and this is Patrick Prince. And together we host the Goldmine Radio Hour, the show that features the latest issue of Goldmine. The Music Collector's Magazine. Tune in Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on CygnusRadio.com. Kenny, how are you? This is Pat Prince from Goldmine Magazine. Hi, Pat. How are you doing? How are you? Very well, thanks. Uh, so, not to sound too much like a geek, but uh, I like comparing the uh, mono version to the stereo version. Yeah. Um, you know, songs like Afterglow, for instance, it's nice hearing the vocals separate it left and right. Uh, yeah, that's right. Do you have a preference? I, if, I had, if I had my way, uh, there, there is no preference, really, because it is what it is both ways. But um, if I had my way, I would love to remix the whole album because basically the way it was set up when stereo first came out glenn johns put it all to one side all the vocals to one side and all the all the tracks to the other side it doesn't blend in enough for me so mono is is, is a preference for me well i was when i was listening to it, it sounded like your drums sounded beefier on the mono version it, it would do because basically they're not they're not sort of coming out of one speaker I like both, so I can't. <laughs> well, the thing is, that's what I mean. We've got to live with what we've got because we, the multi-track. No one can find. No one knows what happened to the multi-tracks, so we uh, can't remix them. If we, if we can find them, it would be a delight. <clears throat> now, didn't it take um, about five or six months to record the album? We were, we were recording it over a period of uh, in between gigs, if you see what I mean. So, uh, so every time we had a day off, we went in and did some. If we'd have started out to do it um, kind of in the studio time, we would have done it within about three weeks a month. That's different than uh, the usual. You know, you go in and they record the album, then you go on tour to yeah. support it. So was it difficult to uh, switch gears like that? No, not really. Because we, we were committed to do these gigs, and, and uh, of course we were all fired up to make the album. So every time we had a day off or some time... We had some time off. We'd go in the studio and start working on it. Were you playing some of the tracks live during that? Uh, you know that fans didn't hear yet. Um, I, no, I'm, 
unfortunately, no, no. In fact, my Afterglow, I, I love Afterglow. I just think it's a, such a great song. And one of those, I mean, my band does it now. I mean, it, it should have been a, a hit single. Did, oh, so you do, you still, you're still playing some of the songs off the album? With, with, no, with my band, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I like to do it. It's great. I mean, not all of it. But what I'm doing is one of the most exciting things that, that I'm doing is, is um, I'm probably going to sail out on this one, um, is basically I'm making a full-length animation of the film, a full-length animation film of, of Ogden's. Oh, you are? So okay. Yeah, yeah. So what, what we'd, we'd, we'd be doing is redoing the tracks um, with various names and people and different musicians, whatever. And um, also I'm going to be doing a classical version as well. But I will be putting some new songs in, in there. Songs that never made it or songs that you recently have written? There's a couple there's a couple of we found a couple of tracks that we, we left off Ogden's. Um so they're they've got no lyrics to them, so one of them anyway. So I'll be trying to work on that one. What were, what were the what were the names of those? Do you were there I names? I remember now. <laughs> there was some silly names so I think they might even be on the um in in the in the in the box set. Well, for the for, one of the outtakes. Well, the album itself had a nice diversity to it. You know, you had the hard rock yeah. song of "Song of a Baker" to the yeah. soulful "Afterglow," your favorite. So it yeah. was. It did have a nice diversity to it, and you can't say yeah. that about a lot of bands today. Sometimes they ha- they get too um, they get too much into a template. If that's the right that's word. That's right. Well, they they kind of get they they won't come out of their their, their comfort zone. True. That's really true. <laughs> so yeah, no. Whereas we didn't mind. We didn't know what a comfort zone was, so we were in and out of everything. <clears throat> that that's true too. Back then, you uh, you know, I've heard stories of some musicians saying that they didn't know how long rock and roll was going to last. You know, uh, so uh, well, yeah, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> So they just three go ahead. I'm three sorry. Months they gave us. So they, th- you could experiment, right? You can. You were free. Yeah. Kind of yeah. see because see what works. Yeah, I mean, we had as much studio time as we as we, we wanted. So when that was when we went with the media records, so that was a major breakthrough. Because so we could then be creative in the studio and, and out of the studio. So if we had an idea straight in the studio. And, and Ogden's is a complex album. For those who don't know, maybe you can explain, like, for instance, the parody of the title. Um, it's an yeah. English tobacco brand. Americans might not know all the, um, all of well, that. Well, they know the word tobacco, and they know the word roller joint. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, used to, we, used to, um, we used to roll our joints with the, t- the tobacco, Ogden's. It was called Ogden's Tobacco. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and so, when when we were looking for an album title, uh, what should we call the album? You know, Happiness Stand or something like that. We didn't know. So we were all sitting around a table, and it's got all our remnants of you know when you got bits of that, bits of um, tobacco all over the coffee table and stuff like that, mm. and some papers you roll it with, and stuff. And we looked down at the tin, the lid, the lid was off, and the tobacco tin was open, and we just looked down and thought, oh no, what do we call it? Ogden's nut gone flake because basically every time we had a smoke, smoke of this Ogden's flake, it made your nut go. 
So, in other words, you got a box from it. <laughs> That's why it's called Ultra's Nut Gone Flake. Right. Not be, not be in your head, you know? <laughs> now, did you think that the small faces, did you guys, um, were you disappointed you weren't more popular in America? Um, how did you feel about well, that? We, we, well, we couldn't go to America because basically Mac had a drug bust. Oh, in right. those days, you, we, you know, you weren't allowed in. I mean, we actually have, have been to America accidentally when we went on tour <laughs> with the and the small faces in in Australia. So we, we landed in San Francisco because we were fogged in off, or we had to land because we had bad, this bad weather in Honolulu or something. So we landed <laughs> in San Francisco. And then the, this bus came alongside and, and we just didn't go through immigrations, customs and nothing. Because we were, we were just going to be staying overnight for the, for the next plane in the morning. And he drove out the... Uh, drove out of the airport, and then we were straight into a Holiday Inn. Ah. And uh, so, yeah, I could have walked up and gone into America, all of us. And then um, we just, um, gone of the days, unfortunately, with all this terrorism now. Yeah. But I ended up going in the room, and, uh, you know, it's a new, you know, when you get into a room, you kind of have a good old look around, so see what's there and what's not there. And there was a TV hanging on the wall. I've never seen the TV that was hanging on the wall. And uh, this is in 1967, I think. Yeah. And I turned the TV on, and it was colour as well. And the first thing I saw was the, that famous shot where the, the Vietnamese guy shot the uh, Vietnamese civilian in the head, and all the blood came pouring out. Oh. Uh, first I thought, OK, welcome to America. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that was a... Yeah, that was the day Americans really started uh, turning against the the war. Those yeah, those kind of images, right. yeah. Well, you guys could have just walked around uh, San Francisco, even done a little impromptu jam on the wharf there. <laughs> if, I had, if I had any sense, I'd have stayed there. <laughs> now you like it over here. <laughs> now you mentioned that you like Afterglow as your favorite. Um, were you it's guys? Not my favorite. No, it's not my favorite. It's no, just, it's just one of the songs that I, that I think is should have been a, a single. single, and it's just great, great to play from a drummer's point of view. It's great to play. Yeah, because the single, I'm trying to think, trying to remember what you you guys did pick as the single. It was probably Lazy Sunday, wasn't it? We didn't pick it at all. Oh right, yeah. Right. We hate. I, I hate that song. <laughs> So yeah, that's right. A lot of times the the band didn't have any choice in the matter, uh, especially right. back then. But uh, what well, I want, yeah. what I wanted to ask is, um, were you guys influenced by Northern Soul at all, which was you know such a phenomenon in England, not really in America? Um, I think yeah, because basically we we um, we're influenced by anything our ears like. Yeah. That's the answer to that one because. You know, I can't I can't categorize music. I, uh, I just listen to whatever I like. If I like something, great. Uh, even even punk music when it first came out, I didn't particularly like it. So, but I found something I liked in it because I don't want to hate music. Right. Well, you know, you guys were there was some controversy when the album was released, right? I mean, didn't you have an ad campaign, or Immediate Records had an ad campaign, and it That's was right, yeah. a parody of the Lord's Prayer or something like that. Yeah, yeah, no, we got into trouble with that. The Lord is my shepherd and all that stuff. Because we, we were kind of, they looked upon it as a blaspheme. We were, right. um, we, 
we weren't doing anything like that. We were having a bit of fun, that's all. But did you, uh, was it Immediate Records' idea, or was it your, the band's idea? It's probably our idea. I can't remember. Because <laughs> I remember reading how Steve Marriott had, had to apologize for it, or explain it, um, that it yeah. was... That was it. Wasn't a knock on religion. That it was. Um, no. It was just sort of having some fun. Some people are just when it comes to religion and politics, oh, yeah. people get very uptight. <laughs> uh, don't they? Right? They just do. They, I can't believe it. Now, is it true that the the album was never performed live? Right. Never. No. Unfortunately, and I'm going to do it. Right? In its entirety. And it's well. When I say in this entirety, I'm only interested in um, in the seven songs that tell the story. So from thereafter, because I consider that to be altars, I don't consider the other tracks on there to be altars. Right. Yeah, because there was a 2007 um, release. I think Charlie Records did a a release with some bonus tracks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you were happy with that one. Um, uh. I just, you know, I, I, it seemed okay. I mean, is that the one where we we um, we got them remixed it? We went in and um, played with all the frequencies on it and just made it sound better. How was it working with Glenn? Glenn Jones. Digitally, digitally, digitally it's called digitally remastered. Right. Um, how was it working with Glenn? Glenn Johns. Oh, Glenn! It's always a pleasure to work with Glenn. I mean, it's fantastic. You know. I see a lot of Glenn, and um, and often ask questions about. I said, "Well, I can't remember how many mics you mic me up with and stuff like that." And he said, "Oh, just one." I said, "Was it two overheads?" He said, "No, one." I said, "Oh, well." And I said, "Remember that there's a special room downstairs which we used as a reverb, and it's got. I think you put an amp in there and a mic on it, so you got the amp inside of a tiny little room, which created like reverb echo. Is that what you used on effect from on my drums?" He went, "No." I said, what do you do then? He said, I just recorded you and your drum kit in the, in the studio. <laughs> he said, the sound the sound was you, nothing else. I said, oh, fuck. Isn't it amazing how back then, I look at it as more creatively fun, right? You had to come up yeah. with ideas to get a certain sound. Yeah. Now everything is, you know, you seem like you could do everything through the computer. Um, I saw it, it takes some of the fun away, you know, some of the... Well, you know what it does say? It, it, take, it, takes, it takes that special ingredient. It's called feel. Yes. You know what I mean? If you, yes. you, don't, go, you don't get your feelings across on the song. You know, you don't feel the music then. You know, you can't really do that with, with sort of... Well, I, I listen... machines and things. Yeah, I listen, you know, because I listen to bands like Small Faces and The Kinks and they they have like a raw sound that just can't be it's hard to duplicate today because that's right um bands just it starts to sound the same where you know but the thing is we no, we, we were we were just uh, what happens is we were just uh, a four piece and that's what you heard right really everything now is too many overdubs because you can overdub for eternity now Whereas before we only had a certain amount of tracks. I mean, the most tracks we had in, in those days was, was uh, uh, eight tracks. Right, and so things were more before. More, they sounded more spontaneous, or that's right, yeah. They sounded more as if they were live. 
Except if you were That's the right. Beatles, and then you would go on forever trying to experiment. <laughs> oh, all the time. Well, we we always experiment all, all everything all the time. We we play anything that sounded well, good. Do do you understand why some people also label it uh, it uh, psychedelic? Um, the album itself. Do you like that term? Uh, I never, never, no, no, I never did understand it. Certain certain things like the journey, the song. The journey, yeah, which can be a bit psychedelic-y, sort of. But other than that, I don't hear a lot of um, psychedelia on it. No, no I'm, I always was wondering why people would throw that term, you know, when describing it. Maybe because, you know, there's a certain there's a story to it. You know, the yeah. happiness stand. Maybe that's the, maybe that's why. Because back then, psychedelia would thought you know because it was more conceptual. Maybe that's yeah, the reason. I think so. It probably is. I mean, it's how, it's, it's how people look at it, really. I mean, I, I, I kind of don't forget. I think people put a label on things because they feel like they got to. But I yeah. don't forget, psychedelia was around at the same time as we were making alters. True. That's true. So you kind of got clumped in. It would be. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> it was a good psychedelia. No? Journalists love to love to like like to like to use that word because it's made them sound more in, more intelligent. You, you, it was probably just a marketing thing, right? You just look absolutely. <laughs> this can is... you spell psychedelia? <laughs> this is a new psychedelic album. Exactly. Right. That, that's exactly what happened. Now you know I was looking through some of my vinyl and uh, I noticed just how many. Uh, you collaborated with a lot of bands, a lot of different musicians. I mean, yes. I, I found you on uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, um, uh, quite a few different things. Of course, Rod Stewart. Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry, that's one I found too. How was it yeah, working with Chuck Berry? Yeah, it was, fun. it was great. He loved my drumming. I loved his playing. I'm a big fan. And so I, I, I did it with Mac. Mac was on it as well. And we had a great time. We had a great time with him. Well, Mac was like that too. He loved jamming with other musicians, right? I mean, he. Yeah. Um, Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry Lee Lewis is lovely. Lovely to work with him as well, because he just just he just fell into the groove of my drumming. He just loved it. And I mean, that must have been heaven for you. I mean, two classic rock and rollers yeah. like that. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm so pleased I I could live that moment. Not a lot of people can now, unfortunately. And and I never and I never knew it until someone pointed out I me. Mean, they said, "Check your vinyl. Kenny's on Chuck Berry. He's on Jerry Lee Lewis." And I was like, "Wow, that's pretty. That's pretty cool." Because you know, I I think of you. Um, you know, of course, your your background, Rod Stewart, Small Faces, and yeah. The Who. But uh, to have you perform with some of that stuff, that's just great. Oh, there's many more I was on because basically I did a lot of sessions in between, in between gigs and in between small faces and in between bands. It was, I just loved doing sessions and stuff. I did a lot with John Emerson at the time. Used to love doing sessions as well. Yeah, I did a lot with John as well before I joined the Who. Is that how you got to know the Who, or did you know them before that? Well, we, the Small Faces and the Faces used to tour together. Yeah. Uh, we toured all around Europe together. We toured all around England together. Um, so we got to know each other then. 
and the, the press in the press in in um, in England with, with the music papers was was kept promoting kept saying that we were rival bands and hated each other's guts, which is <laughs> far from the truth. Right. We we, loved, we had a great time with each other. We got along famously. Well, that's good press, you know. It keeps the readers oh, yeah. reading, I guess. <laughs> oh, I know, yeah. No, no. It's, Especially it's, in, in it's, England, you guys could get, the press could get particularly uh, uh, tabloid-ish, um, I noticed when I went over there. Not to say America oh, yeah. America's any better, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's everyone's their own, really. But, but you know, some, some musicians play with a band for a long time, so when they go to collaborate or join another band, like you did with The Who, it's kind of, it takes them out of their comfort zone, and it's, uh, they feel awkward, but you fit yeah, right in when uh, you joined The Who. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, it's kind of, because I, I said, right from the go, I said, everyone keeps saying, what's it like to, 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 to take Keith Moon's place? I said, I'm not taking his place, because I said, right from the off, I'm not going to copy Keith, because I can't copy him. It's, right. He's, he's, uh, it has got his own style, and, must, and that mustn't be messing with. There's certain fills I'm going to do, which I really love him doing, and that's so why I'm going to play them like that. But I'm a straighter drummer as well. Right. But, so I kind of, I kind of fitted in. Everyone in the band for I fitted in, so they liked it. Yeah, I, I saw you. It's funny because you said you didn't like punk at first, but when I yeah. saw you, I saw you play with the Who at Shea Stadium, and. Yeah. You, the Clash opened up for you guys. It was a wonderful concert. And I think you guys became fans of uh, The Clash and kind of punk at that time, right? Well, we did, because basically, the, the, there was, when I say punk, there was some terrible f- punk. Sure, like uh, anything else, right? That's right. The, the Clash were great. They were really, I really enjoyed their playing. Yeah, because they added elements of... Um, they added elements of reggae and world music, yeah, so right. They, right, yeah, absolutely. But it seemed like a perfect fit because you know the Who influenced a lot of uh, punk yeah. bands. <laughs> That's right, yeah, exactly. But but before we go, I want to back up a little bit. You said that yeah. you were going to do an animation film yeah. of Ogden's full length animation feature film. Now, is that already in the works? No, yes, we're kind of working on it now. Uh, don't forget, see, when I first... I, I had this idea when, straight away, whilst we were making objects, because I said to the rest of the guys, this will make a great uh, cartoon and make a great great animation film. And they kind of didn't get it, so I sort of parked it, and then I kept thinking about it. And I, uh, I've always seen it visually since we finished it, so... Um, but when I got serious about it, I I, I wrote all the lyrics out because the lyric the, the, the tracks tell the story right. lyrically. So I wrote all the lyrics out and uh, as a story, of reading it as a story. And when you read it like that, it's incredibly thin. The storyline is incredibly thin, mm-hmm. and it does doesn't hold up. It holds up in music on as and as songs and stuff. Right. It doesn't hold up like as when a book to make it a film. So right. I, well, that's why I, that's why I, I have to. Do, um, I'm going to introduce new songs gotcha. along okay. with the old ones, which which are kind of and it's not it's not meant to be uh, a musical or anything like that. It's meant to be an animation film about this little character called Happiness Stan who goes in search of the other half of the moon. 
Right. And his message is all the way through, his, you know. So what? But it just, it just so happens the music's going to be stunning. That's what, that's what I like to describe it. So when you said that to the guys, that you said they didn't get it, right? But at that time, wasn't Yellow Submarine out? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so, somewhere in that, that time, yeah. Yeah. No, it was Sergeant Peppers that was out. Oh, so Yellow Submarine didn't come out yet. So maybe that's why, yeah. if Submarine, Yellow Submarine had come out, maybe it would have... The idea would have clicked with them better. <laughs> well, yeah, no. It's, 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 a lot of people ask me, "Is it going to be like Yellow Submarine?" I said, "Absolutely nothing like." Oh, Yellow okay. Because, <laughs> but no, because basically that's one style of all these matchstick type, type men, you know. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. That's that's a Monty Python sort of look. Yes. So it's, this is going to be a proper cartoon for all the family. Gotcha. Young and old. Yeah, you wouldn't want to cut. Co- copy that style at all oh no don't want to do that. i don't like that style is there, i don't like it it's, it's good for what it was you know right is there a particular illustrator did you get an animator picked out um yeah i've got some i'm working with a, a lady called uh una woodruff hmm. she happens to be uh england's top wildlife artist but also she's a young a young well, she's not young anymore. We've all got old now. I've been talking to her for about twenty years. <laughs> but she, she's she's a great artist, and, and uh, she's done some great illustrations for me. Um, wow! And also, um, I've been working on on that as well. But I have to, I have to still work on the storyline, the infilling of the storyline. Now, now, Kenny, do you so, see this as a uh, feature film in the theaters, or something released on DVD, Blu-ray? No, no. I see it as a, as a feature film in the theatres. Gotcha. And, and and DVD a lot, you know. You know, afterwards, right. Yeah, uh, that, I, I think, I honestly believe, you know, if the small faces never split up, didn't split up, and we stayed together, and, and um, you know, we would have reworked Ogden's, and, we, and I would have got, had my way, definitely. Well, you're the one to carry on the legacy now. You're the only member left. So, oh, well, I, yeah. Well, I feel I do feel I do feel uh, Steve and Ronnie and Mac. Of course, because Mac knew what I was going to do because he only recently died, really, in the right. last few years. Mac knew Mac was encouraging me all the time. He loved the idea of it. And Mac was very what I loved about him. He was very involved in the music community, like with Record Store Day and. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great guy. Right up to the end, you know, he was um, yeah. he was very involved with, uh, you know, how the fans received, you know, music and all that. But um, yeah. you know, I, w- I wish you well with the the film. It's gotten me excited. Do you have a do you have a time yeah. frame? Maybe like next year well, coming up. Everyone, keep, it's a bit like crying wolf for me because I've told I've talked about this for the last thirty odd years, you know. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and. Uh, and they said, when is it going to be finished? I said, well, I said, at the moment, there is no rush. I said, right. But, you know, the, uh, when, I, when I turned 70, or a bit before 70, I went, you know what, well, I've, got, I've got to do something about this before I pop off. Well, you know, it's, it, you know, I, I always thought that Small Faces should have been uh, more popular in America. And it's probably like you said, because of the touring problem. But, uh, you know, well, hopefully... I think, to be honest, the Faces kind of put us, put us on the map. And the fact that we both... That we've got inducted into the Rock Hall of Fame. Right. The Small Faces and the Faces at right. the same time. So we've been there twice, and the Faces did a lot for uh, other people in America. The fans over there. Did, 
they threw the faces they wanted to know all about who was the small faces right so it's great right and i think this animation the film might you know make it even better to for people oh, to will do, yeah. no i mean people can you know start searching you know especially generations that never heard of the small faces mm. so oh, really, yeah. yeah so like you said it'll be for adult and ch- you know kids very yeah. very good well i hope it comes out soon i know you said Thank there's you no know. rush but I, I i look forward to that as well I'm, rush, I'm rushing it now. <laughs> I'm rushing it. I don't want. I don't want to spoil it. I'm not going to rush it, but I'm. I'm working on it tirelessly. Hey, Kenny. Thanks. Thanks so much for talking with us. It's a pleasure. It really is. I wish you all the best, man. I'll talk to you, you soon. Too. Bye now. Yeah. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Kenny Jones. I'm sure Steve, Ronnie, and Ian are smiling down right now about this release of the 50th anniversary edition of Ogden's Nut Gone Flake. The album deserves it, deserves to be recognized. And this is Patrick Prince, editor of Goldmine, signing off. Don't forget, listeners, to go to goldminemag.com for exclusive content, and you can pick up a percentage off on a subscription there. You can also pick up the latest issue of Goldmine Print at select Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and indie record stores. Goodbye all, and thanks for listening to the Goldmine Magazine Podcast. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.